Hello, and welcome to Your Excuse, a Triluna podcast about redefining wellness and creating everyday magic. We're your hosts, Ashley Brooke James and Elizabeth Moore. Let's get started. Here's our disclaimer. Disclaimer. We are not doctors. We are not nutritionists. We are not health professionals at all. We are pretty damn good yoga teachers. Yoga. I am a integrated nutrition health coach. Not the same thing as a dietitian. Mm-mm. I'm not here to create a meal plan for you. No, girl. We are here to share our lived experience, share the lived experience of people we love, and build wellness, community, and magic. Ding! Can I get a little ding sound when that happens? Ding! We would like to offer a trigger warning on this episode. We talk about eating disorders and disordered eating. If you feel like this will be a trigger for you, you might want to skip this episode. When Triluna talks about wellness, we take a different approach. We're not interested in calories or macros. We always say that all the kale in the world can't make you healthy if you have an insane amount of stress and negativity in your life. And that has to do with our nervous system and the way that it works. But we're really interested in whole body and whole life health rather than just concentrating on the caloric value of the burrito that you're eating. And I think that that's where the difference between wellness and fitness comes in place and how the world has made us think that we're not well enough and that fitness is wellness, right? I know for me and my personal story that starting out, like, I was always tall. I was always thin. I mean, this was something that ran in my family. And I I always talked about how I didn't need to work out because I was already skinny or I didn't need to, you know, do these extra things because I was going to be like this my whole life. But that way of thinking was so wrong. And I found that as I traveled into finding what wellness was for me. Now, don't get me wrong. In the beginning, I was that girl counting macros, doing this, only eating uh, raw eggs in the morning, only eating organic oatmeal, all the things, right? And I was so unhappy. Like, all I really, really wanted was a hamburger at the end of the day. And what I found through that was this is not what my wellness journey looks like. And I think in this episode, we're going to share our, our personal stories with you. And then we're going to tell you or share with you what we think is going wrong in the world of this whole diet culture. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because my I had the total opposite experience of that. I was a really healthy kid. I was interested in wellness from an early age, but I'm five five. No, I'm not. I'm five, three. (laughs) I'm five, five in my dreams. I'm five, three. And I have weighed between 135 and 140 pounds my since I can remember literally probably since middle school. And I've been told since middle school that I'm overweight by every doctor I've ever fucking had. I've been told that I'm overweight. And that stuck with me as a kid. And it, it became such a huge part of my identity that when, when my eating disorder started to develop, early in life, I, 
it started to equate my value with my weight and my appearance. And it's something that I'm still trying to claw my way out of a million counseling sessions and wellness company later. I was super healthy in terms of like what I thought the standard of health was. You know, I was on the basketball team. I was constantly running. I was interested in eating healthy foods and dieting and, you know, following whatever trendy diet was at the time. I was on Atkins for forever and miserable eating tons of meat. It's basically just paleo now. But I realized how unhappy I was struggling to find an identity outside of my body. And so when we talk about getting out of the wilderness, what we mean is getting out of the cult of wellness, getting out of the idea that you can be defined as a person by your act by what you put in your body food wise and by what you what wellness strictures you follow right so we like to say this thing in in some of our first uh, workshops we would always talk about shining a light on mental health and we feel like wellness starts with mental health, right? And so that's when it becomes different for everyone, right? Because um, like Caitlin mentioned earlier, like everyone mentally is at different states in their life. And so, you know, everybody can go back to the basics of what they truly need, but trying to make everyone be whole 30 or make everyone go vegan or make everyone, you know, do paleo, whatever it is, it's not suitable for everyone's lifestyle, right? Right. And all these wellness websites like Goop are giving this one-size-fits-all wellness advice, and it's fucking bullshit. Like, you cannot tell, especially, like, if you're on a high-fat diet and you have gallbladder issues, you can't be on that diet. Like, the idea that one set of rules applies for every person is so wrong, and it doesn't take into account the socioeconomic status of health and how interrelated those things are. It doesn't take into account mental health and what trauma might be brought up by dieting and eating disorders. Even intuitive eating, which we believe is a a great alternative to the wellness culture, is rooted in knowledge, in an ability to understand your body intuitively. But if you don't have access to that or you haven't been taught the basics of food and how it interacts with your body even intuitive eating becomes not the right answer right it gets tricky but I think what it all comes down to is the unteaching right the unteaching of what the world has taught us what is right you know like if I hear somebody say a freaking cheat day one more time I'm gonna lose my my can I say fuck I'm going to I'm going to lose my fucking mind. Like seriously, like what is that? Like your body tells you what it needs, right? For me personally, when I was trying to find my own personal journey, it got it was simply me getting back into the kitchen and cooking. And that you know made me want to be a little bit more creative and do all of these things, but also, at the same time, I listen to my body. I may eat vegetables regularly, but if my body wants a donut or a hamburger, I'm not going to classify that as a cheat day. I'm going to classify that as what my body is asking for. Okay, so, all right. Okay, Ashley, you just said cheat day. So let's talk about what 
diet culture looks like and what words we do and don't use in our practice and why. Okay. Well, when it comes to our teachers and our training, we are very intentional about the language we use. And so some of the things that we stay away from, we don't talk about how you burn calories or how you earn food or um, what am I missing here? We just don't moralize our food. So like a food doesn't have an intrinsic moral value. A donut is not like a bad thing. It hasn't committed a crime. It cannot be a bad donut. It's just a donut. And so you cannot be a bad person as a result of eating that donut. Nor can you be a good person for eating a bunch of kale. It's just kale. It doesn't have an intrinsic moral value. So we we are really careful about moralizing our food. We don't say cheat days. Also, like, when we talk about diet culture, it starts to get really sneaky, mm-hmm. right? So, like, cheat day gets a little bit sneaky. Or words like calling food decadent or sinful or naughty. Like, even, at, like... Clean eating. Mm-hmm. Like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's another good one. It's There's this article, this great article on qu- this website called Quartz, and it's called A Handy Guide to the Toxic Language of Diet Culture. And when it talks about clean eating, it says, the mostly white gurus of clean eating have managed to make bland, unadorned food appear more moral, but the use of clean to describe some food is problematic and judgmental. It also has a role in the rise of an eating disorder known as orthorexia. And, of course, if some foods are clean, others then have to be dirty. And orthorexia is an obsession with healthy eating. So it's it's not recognized by the DSM yet. But it is, I think, disordered eating. When you obs- Anytime you obsess yes. over your food yeah. to a point at which it takes over your life, it's a disordered relationship with food. Right? And... One of the core philosophies of Triluna and this company that we've built is the idea that wellness should be a support to the happiness of your life. It's ancillary to your life. It's augmenting to your life. But it should not be your life. Like the end goal of a healthy lifestyle isn't to be healthy. It's to live a longer life with the people that you love. It's to live with less or manageable or no pain. It's to live to a ripe old age so that you can see your great grandkids and whatever that means to you or whatever that looks like. But the goal isn't just to be healthy. So if you're sacrificing your happiness and your life and your joy so that you can have more fucking kale smoothies, you've missed (laughs) the point. Right. And what you say in that, because we have been... That has been instilled in us, and that's all we hear all the time. We have to create a space in our life where we open up a little compassion for ourselves and forgiving ourselves for, you know, what we've been taught. Because we're all trying to unlearn something that has been drilled into us. And I think sometimes when we don't open up the gates to offer a little bit more compassion, forgiveness for that, that's when the habits really kind of take off and people kind of become more obsessed because, oh my gosh, I was so bad. Then I have to become addicted to this way of treating my food. So just allowing space, meeting yourself where you are. Yeah. And also being conscious about how you talk about other people. Like I remember there was a point in my life when my eating disorder was was really aggressive. I, I had lost a, quite a bit of weight. I was still, you know, of course, I was in the middle of an eating disorder and still considered normal by my BMI, which is a total 
bullshit indicator of health to begin with. But I was really thin all of a sudden. And I posted this picture on Instagram. And I got so many comments being like, oh, my gosh, you look beautiful. You're so thin. You look beautiful. You look amazing. I remember thinking, fuck, I have to keep this up forever. I have to keep this up forever so I can look like this. I have to starve my body and run five miles a day just so that I can get a compliment on Instagram because that is where I value my worth. Like I just look back on that time in my life and yeah, I was thin, you know, like I had, I had was probably 125 pounds, which for me and my frame is very, very small, even though I'm 5'3". And it breaks my heart because I was so miserable. Mm-hmm. And most of us are. Like I said, I mean, the world is obsessed with thin and being thin and looking nice when in the inside, I can guarantee that you probably were not your best. Because I know for me, when I became obsessed with what I was eating and what was going into my, you know, body, I was probably not, I was probably at one of my worst points in my life. And it really took me, you know, understanding, understanding the difference between what wellness is and dealing with, you know, past trauma and, you know, building relationships that help me, like, express the things that, you know, finding that community. I mean, the yoga um, girls that we that we did our yoga teacher training with, I think that's the most vulnerable I've ever been with a group of people. But that helped me get to this next stage of where I am, you know. So it is. It's everything. It's from your community, from what you're eating, you know, the, the boundaries you've set for yourself, the sleep, um, the water that you're drinking. I mean, but we put so much emphasis on weight. And I, I feel like we have a particular struggle with Triluna in trying to sort out what's diet culture and what is health. And we are on a mission to not incite anyone's trauma. Like that's a, a huge fear of, of Triluna is to is to um, affect someone's trauma, but we spend a lot of time thinking about what wellness isn't, but we obviously are strong believers in the, the magic of health. And so we are constantly trying to find, to strike a balance between those two. And for us, wellness is being in a supportive community. It is finding foods that support your health. If you know that there's a food that aggravates your digestive system or makes you feel bad, having an awareness around that and then knowing when to avoid it and when to have it is helpful for your health. And we're kind of always trying to find where the the middle ground of that is. Right. Right. And I think why it's so hard is because of everything we've been taught in life. Yeah. We're doing so much unlearning ourselves, you Mm -hmm. know? I mean... I spent all of middle school, high school, and college trying to be thin, like really thin. Yeah. It's funny because I'll look at even some of my Facebook posts. Like my go-to hashtag was mind right body tight. Like what the fuck does that mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's something that we struggle with as business owners now too is helping people unlearn. Yeah. You know – 
we talked about this on actually another podcast today that we recorded for somebody else, but we are trying to help the public, our community, our groups understand that just because they've spent their fitness budget on a hit class doesn't mean that they shouldn't also invest in wellness. They're separate things. Yeah. Well, that's where it comes in. Um, just understanding the difference and that wellness is a is, wellness is a lifestyle. Fitness is an activity, right? Mm-hmm. So wellness is everything, like you said, from your community to your finances to, you know, finding foods that nourish you, finding nourishing relationships. And I think the more that we can preach that and put that at the forefront through, you know, our our events and our retreats and our supper clubs, I think the more and more people will pay more attention to their um, overall wellness. Yeah. So how do you find your way out of the wilderness, Ashley? For me, um, I believe that yoga has helped me with that and really understanding my own personal yoga practice. Yoga keeps me grounded. I feel like when society and the world is pushing all these things, because you turn the TV on, there's always something about it. There's always somebody opening a new wellness company when in reality they're just opening another yoga studio or another fitness studio. And for me, it's just continuing to preach the difference. And I mean, it's hard and I can find myself sometimes being sucked back in, but I stay, I remind myself of the Triluna mission is that, you know, wellness is realistic and should be sustainable for everyone. What about you? How do you feel? Yeah, I kind of found my way out of the wilderness by developing my relationship with my own body. You know, I was gluten-free for seven years and then I, I went to Rome and I was like, I'm not gonna not eat pasta in Rome. Like, I mean, got when it. in Rome. When in Rome. I know we said that the whole time. We're <laughs> total tourists. But I decided that I was gonna try and experiment with my own body and get to know it and try and understand it. And uh, I'm now not gluten free anymore. Uh, I'm conscious about how it feels when I eat it. And sometimes I don't eat it. Sometimes I avoid it because it makes me feel bad but when I really want it or when it's a special occasion I have it and as I got to understand my relationship with food and with cooking and trying to develop my sense of worth outside of my my physical body mm-hmm. uh, everything started to change for me I'm gonna this is the weirdest cheesiest anecdote but I I just I have to tell a story because I was watching this like dorky sci-fi show with my boyfriend and the premise of this show was that everyone's consciousness was in a disc. And then you could take that disc and you could put it in a different body. And then you have a completely different body, but you still have your consciousness. And that for me was the first time that I was like, oh, fuck. Like, yeah, I could just take my entire personality and put it in a different body and I would still be me. So how I look and how I appear is actually not important to who I am as a person. It's just like a, a this shell that I'm in. And watching that show really had an impact. I wish I could think of the name of it now. Of course I can't. Maybe we'll put it in the show notes at the end. But carb, alter, Altered Carbon. 
was the name of the show. But I, it's just been this like slow, gradual process of learning to appreciate and love myself for who I am on a deep level rather than determining my worth based on my pant size. Word of the day. You're going to learn that anatomy. You're going to learn that muscle. I'll give you a muscle that some yoga teachers like to cue to, and some people look at the teacher like, what the hell are you talking about? Tell us. Intercostal. Oh, interesting. I've heard that. Yes. Do you know where it is? I do not. Yes, you do. Tell me. You cue to it, and you don't even know where it is? I don't cue that. Oh, good. I speak layman's. They're the muscles between your ribs. Oh. Costal, like coat, which is So I Latin can say rib. belly, costal, chest. You could. That doesn't They won't sound... know what you're talking they about. They have no idea what I'm talking about. Word of the day. Okay, so for a long time, I think diet culture has hidden behind science. You know, we had all these metrics and numbers and things we were supposed to be following that were indicators of true health. But now we're seeing a pushback, right? Right. So when you think about wellness in the future, who who's an icon for you or who stands out as an example of someone who's living their life out of the wilderness? Well, I think there's a couple of people here. I think of the Gabby Bernsteins, the Brene Browns, the people who are actually having conversations about mental health and about wellness as a whole. You know, we have more um, spiritual advocates who are sharing their stories, their struggles, and how through, you know, relationships with either God, universe, however you, you know, want to talk about it you know they're talking about it more so it's being brought to the table more and people are having these discussions around the difference between wellness and fitness I mean even for us we've created environments like our retreats our supper clubs so we can have conversations around community building mental health you know um, diversity and inclusion and those to me are all things that help us redefine wellness and what that is yeah i think that's right so elizabeth my question to you is what's your thoughts around nourishment as it's involved in the wellness space yeah i think for a long time we've been thinking about nourishment as food and we talked about this a little bit in our introductory podcast but We think of nourishment as primary and secondary food, and secondary food is nutritive food, and primary food is everything else, your joy, your sex life, your home cooking, your finances, your career, like all of those things are nourishing. Your community is a source of nourishment, and if we could stop being so fucking obsessed with the food we're putting in our bodies, we might actually be able to create space for the things that truly nourish us, like deep friendships or interpersonal relationships or our significant others or our kids or our parents or, you know, our time in nature with Mother Earth, connecting with the trees and the earth and the air. Tree huggers. I literally hug trees. Like, my boyfriend is always like, please do not be seen in public hugging that I've tree seen with it. me. I love, I love them. And I will literally, when I have an excess of energy, I will give them my energy. And also when yeah. I'm tired, they'll give me some of theirs. I just think we have this symbiotic relationship. So maybe I'm a little druid hippie, but I don't, <laughs> I don't know. 
It's my thing. So, but I think nourishment is you such a multi. I did go to Boone. I went to App State my freshman year. But nourishment is such a deep and complex topic, and there are so many ways in life to find nourishment outside of food and outside of trying to seek external validation based on the size of your body. Well said, my friend. Well said. I love a compliment. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we're going to wrap this segment. We know it was super heavy. This is a, a, a subject that literally launched our careers and we feel very passionately about. And there's a lot to be upset about right now, I think. There's a lot to be mad about. There's a lot of unlearning to do. There have been a lot of untruths in this space. And it's okay, I think, to be angry right now. Yeah. And I'll play Glenda the Good Witch here. <laughs> it's also good that that we're noticing that what wellness really is and that we're having people come to the forefront like Triluna uh, and talking about it more. So it's not something that is being completely left in the background and we are creating space for it a little bit more. Yeah. And there are so many incredible people who are talking about this out in the public and open now. And that's incredible. I mean, Can we just talk about Lizzo for a minute? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I didn't, I, I, this is kind of embarrassing to say, but Elizabeth told me who Lizzo was probably like (laughs) a year and a half ago. And I think it's a beautiful thing for the first time for not only a big woman, but a big, beautiful black woman, you know, is expressing herself. And, you know, so many people have so much stuff to say, but are we saying something like that when, I mean, we're not talking about Beyonce like that, or we're not talking about anybody who fits the mold like that. I love Beyonce. No, no disrespect to the queen, but like, I'm just saying it's great that we're creating space for, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's also frustrating that she has to justify her existence and her health just because of her size. Like everyone is assuming things about her health that they don't know. Yeah. And that makes me so mad. You see how I jump straight to the positive things because the people who were, who are concerned about her health and her weight are the same people who are out here pushing diet cultures and having shows like, what's the show called? The Biggest Loser. Yeah. So much bullshit. Elizabeth. How do you plan to bring everyday magic into your week this week? Okay, I have been working on developing my meditation practice. I find it incredibly powerful in my life, but I also find myself lacking in that area. And so I'm working on trying to find a little bit more quiet time in my day to create space for that. I've developed this practice where in the morning now I will draw one tarot card. We'll probably do a whole episode on how we use tarot and why you shouldn't be freaked out about it but I'll pull one card and then at the end of the day I journal and I reflect about it and it's been a very powerful practice in my life and I feel like it's helping me uncover some everyday magic in my life even if it's just taking stock of and noticing things that I might not have noticed before absolutely I'm gonna jump on that bandwagon too I you know my Meditation practice, my quiet time, my prayer time. I feel like 
I am coming to a point where I'm reconnecting and it allows me to pay attention to a lot of things that because we're so on the go, on the go, that I might black out. And so I guess what I'm saying with all of this is I'm coming to a place where it's allowing me to be a little bit more present with what we have going on around us right now because, y'all, it's busy right now. It's a lot going on. So meditation is magic. It is. Yeah, I'm a I'm a true believer in meditation and it comes in many forms. Like so many people are like, you know, I can't meditate. Know that meditation is a practice. One of my uh yoga teacher trainers said it's like training a dog. You're not going to get it the first mm-hmm. time and you might not get it the fourth time. So be patient with yourself and your meditative practice. And it may look like prayer. It may look like, you know, you pulling your tarot or oracle cards and really, you know, looking into that and what that really means to you. So. Yeah. So for this week, our everyday magic will be meditation. Meditation it is. Meditation it is.